Welcome to Outlaws. This is a podcast where we interview lawyers who've moved on to cooler things. I'm Claire Lim, your host of this podcast. Today, I speak with Joshua Goh. He's the founder of LXE Theory, a legal tech startup pioneering lawyer-client relationship management technology in Malaysia. Before this, he has spent over five years as a practicing lawyer, both in private practice and also at an equity crowdfunding platform, advising on fintech and securities compliance. Okay, my name is Joshua. Um, I'm a lawyer by profession. Um, more specifically, I was a litigation lawyer for about three to four years, um, up until the end of 2019, where I decided to leave practice because I wanted to get a bit more practical experience in the business world. Um, so essentially, my field of uh, litigation practice brought me into a lot of company disputes, corporate disputes. But even though legal principles aside, you realize that as a lawyer, you don't really know very much about practical things in the business world. And that's what I felt that I needed. You know? And I figured, well, um, it was, I was still in my 20s. Uh, Commitments-wise, I was um, comfortable enough, I guess. I decided to just try something new. And that brought me into fintech consultancy, um, which then led me into starting Alexi in about the end of 2020. Um, it's a legal tech, which is a legal technology startup that I started with a few of my friends, um, some of which are in the law background, some of which are not. And right now, I am basically focusing on that full time. Um, but I also do a bit of part-time consultancy with an equity crowdfunding platform um, that's registered with the Securities Commission. Great. Thanks, Josh. Could you tell us a bit more about what Alexi does? Sure. Um, okay. So Alexi, to put it very simply, um, Alexi is a platform, right? It's a litigation management platform for lawyers to use together with their clients. So the reason... Uh, or at least the idea behind Alexi came about because we felt that there was a need to address uh, a communication problem like, between lawyers and clients in Malaysia. You know, as, as we all know, lawyers are not the most technologically friendly of people. And because of that, the technology that lawyers use in their practice is not very advanced as well. Um, so in the practical world, clients are often a bit confused or they don't really know what's going on with the legal cases, how it's being handled by their lawyers. And that can be dangerous sometimes, especially if you don't have, um, uh, if you're unfortunate enough to come across a lawyer, which is a bit unethical, or even if it's just innocent mistakes, miscommunication, misinformation, um, or especially longer cases, things just get backlogged and lost along the way. So Alexi is basically a platform which tracks everything that's going on um, in your litigation cases. So when lawyers have any updates with anything about anything, whether it's what happened in court, what documents are filed, they just key it onto the platform and the platform generates a chronology of events that is shared together with your client. And what inspired you to start this platform? Um, practically speaking, it was a business. Uh, it was a business because we felt that this was a market um, or a pain point that, exist, that still existed in Malaysia that not many people have come forward to solve it. Um, yeah, in fact, I, I, as far as we know, I don't think we've heard of a similar legal tech startup or service that focuses exclusively on like improving solicitor-client relations, you know? Mm -hmm. So we felt that this was a market that 
could it could use others a gap that we could come up with a product to try to address you know number two is because uh yeah essentially um back going back to the reason why i left law uh we wanted to get, to get a bit more corporate experience so this was it <laughs> we just decided to hey why not let's try it out and then before we knew it it was already too late to turn back already <laughs> and we are just going ahead right now Okay, uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, we discuss, um, you know, like uh, things like what exactly um, makes like a makes you suitable for a startup. How do you identify that? Um, what are the success factors? But actually, right now, I just want to focus on um, this trend, the, the transition first, right, from a lawyer to um, where you are starting your own company right now. So you said you're really interested in business the business side of things so why did you start off with law right okay so for that one let's rewind back to when we were 18 I guess 18 or 19 straight out of college um, I guess law was because number one it was convenient um, convenient because I did an internship before um, when I was in college at a law firm uh, and it was a good internship with um, a lawyer, uh, Dr. Kevin Joshua. Uh, and that basically exposed me to what practice was like, you know. So on one hand, this was a field that I had sort of a, an idea of what's going on about already. And combined with factor number two, which is the fact that it's a nice profession now, you know, it sounds cool for lack of a better way of putting it. Uh, that just made it easier to, yeah, why not? You know, let's just give this a try. But having said that, it wasn't be um, at that age, we really didn't know what we were getting into, like, you know, it was just a convenient option to pick at that time. And so you, you applied for law and obviously you got in um, and then you went through law school. So that you're changing about this change when you were in law school, were you still um, set on being a lawyer? Yeah, um, so law school... Uh, okay, so that's a, that's, a, that's a bit tricky because... I didn't really like the studying part as much, the law school part as much. I liked the working experience more. Um, so throughout law school, I like during summer break and all that, I did a few, in, quite a few internships with my previous firm and certain new firms as well. I've, I like the feeling of, of being in practice, not so much the studying part, um, which I find is quite different from what you actually face when you start practicing as a lawyer. That's very interesting because a lot of people that I speak to enjoy law school but really don't like the practice. Um, can you speak as to why do you think that is and why your experience is the opposite? Um, I guess I just f like the feeling of... Um, so studying is something, but you're not... For me, I guess it felt like you're studying to go in preparation for something else. You know? You're not actually doing anything. You're just preparing yourself for something else. I like working more simply because of the, I guess the control and independence that comes with it, like, you know, having your own income at the same time, actually doing things that were making, um, which had tangible results that you could actually see yourself like um, affecting different, different things around you. Mm. So it sounds like it actually could have been any job, right? It didn't have to be law is just the fact that you were making your own money and like having that sort of autonomy and independence and yeah, influence yeah. you're very right <laughs> i think it could have been really in any job um but having said that i really really don't regret um have going into law at all um i feel that 
working in law brings you a lot of experiences and teaches you a lot of skills that you really, really won't get in any other industry, any other, mm. any other job. Mm. Yeah, I actually want you to maybe elaborate a little bit more on your experience in the law firm because the reason I think this is important is because other people who I know who have left law have had, they say they've had very terrible experiences as a lawyer and they really didn't like it. But it sounds like, to me that you actually enjoyed it and had quite a, and you realized that there are a lot of transferable skills it's just that you wanted to move on to something else in your life so if, if that's right could you you know elaborate on on that a little bit more mm. um, I did uh, and then I think that largely is thanks to the team that I worked with the firm that I worked with um, I worked in a firm called Thomas Philip and I worked under my mentor, Lavinia, Lavinia Kumarindran, who has now set up her own firm elsewhere already. But because I had a good team, um, it just made it, it just made it nicer. Like, you know, it, you, it, I did feel that sense of camaraderie working with the rest of my team members. Uh, and no denying work was hard, work was really difficult. But I think at that point I was gung-ho enough and um, driven enough to just like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I expected this anyway. I knew law was going to be a tough industry anyway. So it, it didn't catch me off guard, lah. the workload, the hours, the stress. It was just more of like, I liked what I was doing because it was challenging and I liked the people that I was working with. Hmm. And you were doing litigation, right? So do you find that um, the work itself was um, more interesting than maybe a different uh, other practice area? Oh, okay. I have never tried practicing in convincing or corporate or any other area of law before besides litigation. Uh, I would say this though, having been in and out of legal practice, litigation practice, I have not come across any other industry or job that gives me that same mental challenge. It really is a different experience altogether. Um, being in litigation, the way you think, the way you do your work, the way you... Um, your day-to-day -day things. It's just things, it's an experience that you would, I have not been able to find anywhere else. And I do miss it because of that. Mm. Okay, so it was a really good experience. And what kind of skills did you pick up in litigation? Um, okay, so the, so you have to be, you have to be detail-oriented. You have to be able to keep to your deadlines. You have to be flexible. I think that would probably be my most important takeaway. Um, being litigation basically gave me quite a flexible skill set, the ability to adapt to, um, like it or not, you know, you have to adapt to your case, your client, your situation, you have to think on your feet. And you have to do this in short time spans and in a way which does make sure that you do justice to your client and you don't get scolded by your boss, of course. You know, you can't give sloppy work. All that combined together, I think, when I left law, um, it gave me a bit of confidence that I can more or less do most things comfortably. Mm, just being, being pushed to outside your comfort zone most of the time gave you that kind of assurance that you're able to do anything because of that experience you went through. Yeah, it's more of like the fact that, uh, okay, you're not scared of new challenges because that was literally most of the things that you face day in, day out in practice anyway. Um, having said that, of course, it's not, all, it's not always healthy, lah, you know, there are times where I find it hard to work without uh, the pressure of someone like chasing you to submit your work or mm. uh, when certain, and you tend to underestimate certain other things as well. Um, 
So things that are um, things that are a bit less uh, mentally challenging, you find yourself just being a bit too relaxed about it, you know. So I mm. and of course there comes the the workload and um the hours which does take a toll on your health and like your sanity after a while as well. But it, but from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like those are the reasons that made you leave because you were you found it interesting, you expected the kind of hours and workload. So what was, uh, I just want to understand, how did you start thinking about leaving? What was the trigger for that? Um, yeah, you're right. Um, it really wasn't so much about the, the, the downs of like practice. It was more of, I guess, after a while, after being in, after, after doing a certain number of cases, you realize that lawyers live in their own little bubble, you know, we are, we're in a nice comfortable bubble where we are sort of like a bit kind of like we're shielded from the rest of the world. Um, we don't really know much of what's going outside and we are specialized in our practice in that we can advise people on the law. Um, but beyond that, we really know very little of how things are run or operate like business wise practical. Mm. So very often, a legal solution may not be the practically commercial solution, you know, but you wouldn't know the practical, practically commercial dis, uh, solution simply because the law is everything that you've known. And because of that, I felt quite handicapped. I didn't feel that I could be a good litigator. Um, and I also was curious about what was outside beyond law. So the mindset was simply get a bit of experience outside, commercial experience outside, and then decide whether or not I want to come back to practice with like a renewed mindset and an added skill set, a more practical skill set. And you didn't feel that moving to another more business-oriented uh, area of law, let's say M&A, M&A um, or uh, private equity or something like that, would serve that purpose? Uh, I did. I did. I did consider moving into a corporate field of law instead of just litigation. Um, but when I was job hunting, I guess it just it just so happened that an opportunity opened up to me to be a fintech consultant. Um, for me, that felt interesting. Like, you know, it is again, fintech is something that I knew nothing about. And I just wanted to just deep dive into something new, I guess. Mm, so it was just more of an opportunity that you that arose that you felt that it was right and that you decided to move at that moment. Mm, correct. Um, there's nothing fancy about it. I think it just came down to a, a gut feeling thing. Mm. Um, and I was, of course, also lucky enough to be able to make choices like this um, without worrying about like uh, situations or circumstances, you know. So I'm, I, mm. I do admit that was the, the choice was motivated by that. And how long were you uh, job hunting for? And what was your job hunting strategy when you came across this fintech consultancy? Uh, it was really, uh, it was re- I, I, I can't really remember. Let me think. I really think that it was a cold email out. Just like I did a Google search on like fintech or, uh, oh no, I remember actually. I started looking into VCs and private equity. And that brought me along the lines of equity crowdfunding. So I wrote into like a few companies and one of the companies that came back to me was an equity crowdfunding platform um, that basically does business in certain fintech products as well. Uh, and yeah, they offered me a, they offered me a position and um, I decided to just give it a try. I think timeline wise, it was about 
two months after I two months from the time I left practice to my starting my new job. Oh, so you left with nothing lined up? Yeah, I left with nothing lined up. Correct. And why was that? Um, I, it wasn't the smartest decision. Definitely, you know, um, if I had started looking for a job during this COVID situation, I definitely would not have used that strategy. I guess at that point, I was just like, oh, alright, okay. I was at the point where I was quite fed up as well, you know. Um, so. Don't get me wrong. I like practice, but I was also a bit frustrated at how little um you knew outside of practice, and because of that, I just decided to yeah, let's just um give it a try. Um, my law firm paid my law firm paid paid quite decently as well. So I guess savings wise, it bought me quite some time, um, enough that I didn't have to be worried about looking for a job immediately. Mm. That's really interesting, and I want to like dig into this a little bit more big about how you felt during that time when you had nothing lined up, essentially when you were just you know trying to figure out what to do next. And the reason why I want to do this is because I think lawyers are generally by by nature quite cautious people, and a lot of people, especially lawyers, would be really freaked out by the fact they don't have a plan lined up. And they're leaving behind this prestigious career without really knowing what's out there. So, could you talk a little bit about in that couple of months、um, when you were looking for a job? What was your mindset like, and and your mental health, and how you sort of cheered yourself on, or was、um, that even a problem? Yeah. Okay, let's see. It definitely was a very it definitely was a reckless decision. You know.、Um, I don't think there's any smart justification for it because if I were to give advice to anybody else, I would definitely say get a job first before、uh, resigning at your current job.、Um, but mindset-wise, okay, I think I drew comfort from the fact as well that I had a very good relationship with my boss and my former firm, to the point that I knew that any time that I wanted to come back, I could.、Um, so that that gave me that gave me some comfort as well. And number two, I guess, being in practice, right? You realize that outside of practice, you really have very little time to focus on anything else, you know. And、mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of knew that if I didn't just like take that jump, I would just not have time to properly transition. I would just be doing a sort of like half here, half there sort of thing.、Mm. Um, and did you set yourself any kind of timeline for you to find something by? Oh yes, definitely.、Um, a month, maybe get to get the next opportunity within a month already. I did like sort of like do short stints in a few places just to just for like、um, just to help help out friends or just to explore opportunities. Sort of like internships, you know, small small internships to explore different industries. But I gave myself a month to decide where to go after lah to settle on a place. Hmm. And this crowdfunding platform, this fintech crowdfunding platform. It almost sounds like something that they would usually recruit,、uh, say, like an accounting, finance, or economics or math grad for.、Um, so, how did you manage to convince them that your background、uh, was suitable for something like that? Ah,、um, that's a very good question. I think from experience,、uh, you do not have any disadvantage coming from a legal background. I think, especially if you have spent time actually practicing the law. You find that when you go out and explore other industries, your skill set is quite unique. 
and quite valuable to a lot of people. And things like financial knowledge accounting, I guess the place where I was going didn't require something that was too complex knowledge-wise when it comes to finance and accounting. So it wasn't something that I couldn't pick up over time. Um, and I guess that's what I told, <laughs> I guess what I told them in my interview. Oh, so they were just willing to take a chance because of the skills that you demonstrated in the past and that you could just grow into whatever the role required to. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they also needed a legal person in their, in their company as well. I'm very sure that played a huge part in their decision. Oh, so does that mean that you also had to do some sort of legal work while you were there? Of course, of course. So um, the, the, crowd, the, the fintech company that I joined is, more, is still more like a startup. So in that sense, you really do a, quite a wide range of things. Uh, but having said that, even though um, I came from a legal background, I would say legal work only accounted for about 30% of the things that I had to do there. Mm. And do you think that experience uh, would have been, your, your job hunting experience would have been different and more doors would have been closed to you if you were going for more established MNCs who have like a bigger pool of applicants? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I don't doubt that um, in a, on, a, on a wider scale, I don't think that my qualifications at that time, like not, there was nothing special, lah, you know, there are so many lawyers out there, so many people who've practiced for like three, four years and then deciding to try something new. Um, so um, in that sense, it really does take a bit of luck to find a place that you're comfortable with as well. I don't deny that. Um, but it also sounds like you have to be very open about even going down to much smaller companies at bigger at, at more early stage. Um, mm. And it, it, does, does it sound like a, a challenge for someone who is a lawyer and is quite concerned about prestige? Maybe, maybe, uh, because if you are someone that, you know, you've always been in a, a reputable firm or a reputable company all your life, you may not be comfortable with the idea of joining a fresh startup, you know, it may sound, or maybe some people even find it cool, but if, if you were more, if you think more rationally about it, there are a lot of risks of joining startups, you know, most startups, statistically speaking, do fail. So in that sense, you will, you are compromising lah you are compromising on the stability of both your career as well as your, like you said, you know, the, the glamour that comes with it of being a lawyer. And did you have to take a big pay cut when you joined this platform? I don't think it was a too big a pay cut. Uh, yeah, I don't, it was about a thousand ringgit pay cut. Um, having said that, I don't think lawyers get paid very well in Malaysia anyway. So <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Yeah, so you weighed up everything and it was still, it was still worth it. Uh. It was um, <laughs> so you still do that right now on the mm -hmm. side? Oh, yes. Um, so the, uh, when I started Alexi, I full disclosure of it and everything. They were, happy for me to, they were happy for me to build that up on the side while I was working there. But I think um, this year, especially when the platform, when this platform, right now we are actually in our prototype phase ready. So we have the prototype ready and we'll be letting law firms try it out within the next few weeks. So right now, I'm a bit too busy to commit to um, to commit that much time over there anymore. So I just help them out mainly on like legal compliance matters. And um, if they need some sort of like investment investment advice or account management advice, I'm happy to do that as well. Mm, okay. Well, tell us a bit more about Alexi then. Like how did the, how did, 
literally how did this idea come about between you and your partner and how what did what steps did you take to operationalize it because ideas are cheap right it's just like actually implementing something so how did you start that um okay i think it was motivated partly by the mco definitely uh it did give us a lot of time at home to think about what are the things that you wanted to do uh for me that idea literally just it was an MCO baby idea. Uh, we felt that based from experience working in law, these are just things that we drew on and that we realized could be improved through technology. Um, it was also helped because of the place where I was working in. So being in an equity crowdfunding platform, you see startups every day, startups who are trying to fundraise for their own companies. And you learn the process of what it's like from an idea to raising for your company to launching it. And sort of that, sort of like that baby growth process, you know, and you realize that you can do it. Lah, you know, it's something that is not incomprehensible to just give it a try. Uh, having said that, at that point in time, there was no way we could have funded this company unless we did an equity crowdfunding platform ourselves. And so that's what we did. We crowdfunded for the capital costs to develop this platform. And we were lucky enough to have a lot of friends and family to support us as well, to, who invested in our company for shares in the company. So yeah, I'm very grateful for that. And this, your crowdfunding is mainly made of your family and friend base. Uh, I would say seven, 60 to 70% from family and friends for myself and my partners and 30% of investors that we just met over the course, just randomly over through like investing events um, by going out and pitching your idea. And yeah. <laughs> At what point did you realize that, oh shit, this idea actually has legs? Uh, when we raised the money, <laughs> when we successfully raised the money and we had to close our campaign, um, the scary part is that all these people who invested in your company have basically become your shareholders. And you realize that, hey, these people believed in you enough to put in their money, you know, their savings, their, their things that could have been spent elsewhere. And that with that comes a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, you don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to like the first time they believe in you in something in your career and you don't give them back something in return. So in that sense, that motivated me especially to just really, really, okay, no turning back now. Let's just go for it the entire way. Mm-hmm. it's quite a shift right you know you're a stable employee then you decided to transition uh, into a completely different industry where you're trying to grow something um, and learn new skill sets and now you're founding your own thing and facing all this pressure so what kind of mindset shift you have to have um it really it, it did take quite a few it did take quite some getting used to there were Transitioning-wise, I think, especially when you are raising funds, um, even now, actually, when the product is more or less ready, the prototype, but I have to go out and let law firms test it, I, it does come with quite a bit of stress, you know? Um, so, but I really think that at this point, for me at least, it helps to know that, or maybe this is something I learned from law, actually, no matter how busy you are, you don't have time to think about the busyness. You just do it. You just do it only. You know? Um, and then once you have a minute to take a breath, then you can think about it. But you do it first. And how do you feel about the idea that you know, many, many startups fail? How do you motivate yourself uh, to continue doing what you're doing? Oh, wow. Um, 
I, I believe I, I believe in our product actually. Uh, I do think that we are lucky enough to be in an industry or market that is not very saturated at the moment. Uh, in fact, there's hardly any competitors at all in the legal tech market. Um, so because of that, I think we stand a better chance than most of succeeding. And also, you yeah, you just gotta you just gotta make sure you cover your bases, lah. Cover do cover everything on your checklist, and then you just hope that things work out from there. And do you face any kind of inertia, like in yourself? Inertia in the sense where, um, sorry. You know, sometimes you, you're like, okay, I, I've done this and this and this, but where is it really going? Um, do I really want to do this anymore? Um, just kind of like not like thinking about all the things that you have to do to make this succeed. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, there were times where it was really, really overwhelming. Um, it's sort of it's just it's sort of just like taking a run, you know. You hit a point where you're just like, I really just want to stop running, and just rest for a while. Um, and yeah, it's the same thing here to the point where I do sometimes just wish that ah, uh, it, so, it actually won't be so bad if I just go back to practice now, you know, stable life, stable salary, stable work, and everything. But at this point, you can't uh, You know, there's a bit too much as time and the people's money has been put into it already you just gotta make it work okay um i kind of want to go back to how this idea was um incepted so it's it it takes a certain type of person to notice where things can innovate right like you and you and your partner um thought about this during the mco and then you came up with this idea but I guess what I'd like to um, try and help people figure out is how do you reach that? How do you uh, identify those innovation opportunities? Are there any sort of actionable steps in the way that you think, the way you look at problems that can help you identify uh, this sort of point where the innovation can happen? Mm, um, Okay, I genuinely believe that most people have good ideas. Really, they really have. Most people have good business ideas on like a daily basis, sort of thing. One, uh, it's just the it's just whether it's carried out or not. No, you know the the process of actually like carrying it out and creating something. Um, I think business ideas. Yes, the it's not hard to identify a gap or a solution. You know, it's just something that you come across, especially if it's based on your personal experience. But it does take. Um, I think it's good if people keep an open mind, keep an open mind into refining the idea. So call it like um, idea A. Idea A was a good idea, but over the course of several months, idea A was like you know refined into idea A plus B, idea A plus B plus C, and then eventually at this stage right now, this idea is probably like a lot. Quite, quite a lot more improved than the original idea was really, but it wasn't thought of in like one day. It was a process whereby mm-hmm. you had to talk to people, you had to do a bit of reading, and then it just just came as part of the process where we are today. Yeah, like the buzzword is design thinking, right? Like you iterate and then you change it, talk to people, change it, change it, change it. So mm-hmm. how, how different does it look like from your... Was, wait, first of all, was this your first idea? Um, when you decided to start something or, or was this like idea 100? And secondly, um, how does this, could you give an example of maybe how the idea looks like right now compared to what it was like at A stage? Mm, okay, uh, let's see. 
I in terms of whether this was the first idea, this is definitely the first idea that I have tried to execute. Oh, sorry, sorry, have executed. Um, there have been other business ideas, uh, but it I just it just never came to it just never came to be simply because either there was no time, no funding, and once Alexis took off, you just wanted to like focus all your attention on this. Um, in terms of what version of idea this is, let's see. Okay, so for example, when we first came up with the idea, right, it was just a chronology, um, something like tracking food, tracking your food on an app. You're able to see each stage of where, from the, where the food is being picked up, where it's en route to your house, just like that. It's as simple as that. Um, but over time, we decided that, look, that may be great for the client, but it's not attractive enough as a product to sell to law firms because at the end of the day, law firms, it'd be great if they can benefit their client, but what's in it for them? Especially if you are asking law firms to pay for your product anyway. So because of that, we had to add on certain things that from practical experience, we knew would benefit lawyers. For example, there's now a calendar management system built into the product where law firms are able to basically supervise what's going on within their team by their individual lawyers. Um, there's also an individual KIV, KIV reminder system built into each suit so that law firms and clients are able to keep track of what are the deadlines, uh, specific, specific deadlines for that particular suit. So yeah, um, it's just things like that, you know, small, small things that by itself weren't that important, but over days and weeks and months, it just sort of just added on into the product that we have now. So how many employees do you have right now? Uh, we have five at the moment. Oh, sorry, four, four, four plus one because one is joining us at the end of this month. Um, that will be my three partners, uh, one software person and one intern. Hmm. So you have three, three partners and two employees. Hmm. Um, how important is it to identify... Okay, we're almost very important to identify the right partners, but what, how did you go about um, figuring out who was right um, to work with you to do uh, this. this. Right. I don't think I can take any credit for having a very good system about this simply because I just invited my friends who were in the right fields, you know. Um, for example, one of my partner, Abi. Abi is a lawyer as well. Um, he's currently in Shen Delamore's tax, tax, tax department. Um, and he does like dispute resolution work as well. So with that, with two lawyer minds, um, it helped in terms of like developing products to really, really cater to what lawyers need. My other partner, Nadia, who is also, uh, also a fintech consultant with me at the, at the fintech company that I was employed at, she basically helped us so much when it came to, when it came to like just anything technologically related. Like before this, we really only knew like Microsoft Word, you know, or like our emails, but she, she taught me Excel. She taught me design, like in terms of designing like the mockups for the platform. She really helped a lot in refining this product as to how it looks and to what features can be built in and what would be the simplest way to basically uh, make it as user-friendly as possible. So in that sense, um, it was a good, it was a good um, match. But synergy-wise, like working together-wise, I felt quite comfortable doing that as well. Mm. So is it important to have like this very good personal relationship as well with the person? Or do you think just the right skill sets will be enough? I think it's very important who your partners are. I, in fact, it cannot be stressed enough 
how important your partners are. Coming from a corporate dispute resolution background, we see partners fight every day, you know. Um, having said that, there are ways to sort of like um, create a scenario where you'll be safe. So, for example, I think it's very important for one person to hold at least 51% in the company at any time. Simply because even though you're all coming in this together, you know, everybody's friends at the moment, you never want your company to be at risk of being caught in a deadlock situation. Especially when you have so many investors on, investors' money is on the line, you know. So, because of that, um, you make sure that your, your uh, one person holds majority um, and also... Be, talk about it, talk about it with your partners in terms of drafting the shareholders agreement, the company's constitution, things like that to set out what can and cannot be done and do it openly. Do it in the beginning where everybody's relationship is good and people are more willing to just, um, yeah, to just discuss everything, to just give and take, hear ideas, bounce ideas. Put all these things in place so that in the event that something does happen in the future, touch wood, of course, you've, um, you're safeguarded in that sense. Mm. Yeah, that's really good advice. George, I also want to know a bit more about what exactly you do in your day-to-day life. Like you're very busy, um, obviously with many, many different types of tasks, but maybe just a flavor of what your daily tasks are. Uh, right. I think life during MCO is very <laughs> different from what life would have been um, if the MCO wasn't here. Uh, I do work quite uh, I do I do really work most of the time at the moment um, simply because it's, we are quite busy lah, in terms of uh, preparing towards the official launch. Outside of that, um, I, do, I, do, I try to exercise. Uh, it's, a, it's a routine that you refine over time. For example, Friday is my accounts day where you basically tally accounts on things that you've spent throughout the week. You do all your housekeeping in the sense that you make sure your receipts are categorized. You make sure all your accounts are in order. Um, other day-to-day tasks, for example. Oh, okay. So I do have a habit of waking up quite early in the morning nowadays, um, simply because to just like have your morning coffee and set up, right? It helps so much to just write down all the things that you have to do today, you know, for the rest of the day. And it's a daily thing, right? All the tasks that you have to do for that day. And then you just try to cross it up as you go along. Um, it helps to cross up um, things as, as early as possible because it just pumps you up, you know, to get like things done throughout the rest of the day. Mm. Um, and if, let's say like uh, there was a hypothetical lawyer who wanted to start an idea of his own, um, like a start, startup, what would you say are the top technical and soft skills that someone uh, should have as a startup founder? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I, I personally, I really find the most important skill that you can have is to just be, be genuine about it. You know, um, I can't, I can't describe how many like business owners I've come across that have just given me such a dodgy impression simply because you know that they're either all fluff or they're not telling you the full story. Uh, and I like to think that people, especially the people, people who are smart enough can pick up on these things. And the moment somebody picks up on something that gives them an idea that you're not being genuine, that's it. Same for me. If I pick up an idea of, of, of someone that I'm talking to and I get the feeling that he's hiding something, I'm immediately guards up and probably that's it already. I'll try not to deal with that person anymore. Um, so yeah, personal relationship, pers- uh, being genuine is one thing, being personable. Number two, probably as a lawyer, 
it's I think important to accept the fact that there are a lot of things that you don't know. Um, everything from design, technology, marketing is so much that goes into actually running a business. So don't be afraid to ask for help, delegate. You know, um, your ideas are important, yes, but you shouldn't be insecure about delegating things to people who are much better qualified than you, much more skilled than you in doing things. You know, you have to be secure in yourself in that sense. And in terms of technical skills? Technical skills, let's see. Well, it depends what kind of business you want to start, um, what kind of business you want to start up. But things that I think any startup can't avoid would be your marketing skills, okay? Um, in terms of like preparing what your business plan, what your business plan is, how you present it, how you market it, how you create awareness for it. Um, number two would be maybe funding. You know, funding is probably one of the most important things for any startup, um, simply because it decides how much equity you give out to investors, um, how much control you have left in your company, it, how much money you think you need and how you plan how to use that money, you know, your, your projections is important. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think that would be it. Those how would you learn these things without being actually like in a crowdfunding platform like you did? Uh, if I wasn't, I would say this, if I wasn't in the crowdfunding platform, it probably would have taken me a lot longer to learn these things. But being in a crowdfunding platform where you see people prepare their business plans and their projections every day, you pick up things. You just pick up things here and there. And then you just refine it. Um, when you do it yourself, you just refine it and you make sure that you don't repeat mistakes that other people did. Mm. But for someone who doesn't have that same sort of experience as you did, how would they invest in themselves to learn all these things? Like what are the avenues to do so? Um, let's see. Oh, I'm probably not a very good person to ask for that. Um, let's see. Um, I don't think I've taken... I, the reason why I say that is because I don't know of any... I haven't, I haven't personally taken any courses and all that. So I can't say which courses are good, which courses are not, you know, um, if there are any. But I would just say observe, really. Just observe. Observe everything. Be like a sponge. Just draw in everything from everywhere. Like watch people. Watch people, how they act, how they talk what they do, body language, taking everything good and bad, and then you filter it out yourself. You know, you pick the good and then you filter out the bad yourself. Mm. Okay. I guess the general theme of uh, our conversation today has been about just being very open-minded and uh, open-minded about your own choices, open-minded about um, other people's, uh, what other people are doing so that you can learn from them. Um, and I guess I just want to close off with just thinking about the future. Um, how do you see yourself now? Have you internalized yourself as a startup founder? Is that what your current identity is? Um, and also, how do you, uh, what are your future goals? Um, okay. I still identify myself as a lawyer in a lot of aspects, actually. Um, I don't know why. It's just easier to think of myself as lawyer first and then, um, businessman second simply because uh, yeah I um, let me see how do I put this so um, I'm, I'm glad that we are in business I'm glad that we are on track to be um, a good business you know I'm happy in that sense but what makes me even happier is and what I probably identify 
identify with myself the most is that I'm proud of the product that we've created. It's, it's not, it's like, it's not fluff, you know, it's not gimmicky in any way. It is, it says what we said it's going to do. And I'm proud to say that it would benefit the people that we want to give it to. Lah, you know, I'm like happy that it's an actual good product. And in that sense, yeah, I like to, I, I identify myself more with that than to be like an entrepreneur. So what are your immediate goals right now? Probably, honestly speaking, probably I just want the, I just want the product to be well-received in the legal industry. Um, right now, I think the most important thing for us is to create as much awareness as possible that we are out there already. And we have a few things lined up for that, but I feel more can be done, like more aggressive marketing can be done. But to do that, of course, requires time and funds, um, which I'm careful about because we don't want our funds to run out before the business starts generating revenue. So we will probably start applying for government grants and incentive programs as well. Thanks so much for those insights, Josh. It's really refreshing to hear from someone who really enjoyed his time as a practicing lawyer, but left to have this amazing opportunity to start something new and also might still go back into the profession. Next time, we speak to Janice, a lawyer who left to do her MBA and now works in human resources.